but I pray that it still served the same purpose. It symbolized what we were wanting it to symbolize, and I know that the Lord was greatly honored and blessed as you remembered him, not only his body, but his spirit. So today, we celebrate a day called Palm Sunday, and the events of this day are recorded in all four gospel accounts of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this morning, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit's inspiration to a doctor. Maybe this might have more credibility for you. But the Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke of some events that happened this incredible day over 2,000 years ago. So if you would, please follow along with me in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. And when he, Jesus, had said this, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you where you, will en- where you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners, say owners, owners, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. And then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt and they sat Jesus on it. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called out to him from the crowd, Teacher! Rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, then these stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things which make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation let's pray lord god our savior jesus christ as we study this triumphant entry into the lives of your people Lord, we pray it would have special meaning to us today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, I wish we could go back to Jerusalem. I wish we could go back to that day and relive, actually see, actually witness all the events of that tremendous day. How exciting would it be for us to be a part of the crowds with Jesus as he's winding his way up the Mount of Olives, as he's going down past the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's going across the Kidron Valley up and through that great 
eastern gate that led into the city of Jerusalem. Friends, let me tell you, it would be a parade that you would never forget. This parade was the greatest parade that there ever was. You know, as a nation, we love parades, don't we? Think about it. On Thanksgiving Day, millions tune in their TVs to the Macy's Day Parade. Locally, many parents take their children to all manner of Christmas parades. And it seems like every town has got their own Christmas parade. Uh, on Veterans Day, we line the streets to honor those who have so sacrificially given their lives for the cause of freedom. Hometowns even honor their Super Bowl champs. Hometowns even honor their World Series champs. And it used to be that parades were held to celebrate victory and that parades were also held to honor fallen heroes. That reminds me of a story about a missionary and his family who had faithfully served the Lord for over 40 years in Africa. But now he was all alone. His wife and his two children had long ago found their final resting place in the soil of Africa. And as he came home, he got off the plane, and when he returned to America, he saw this great crowd of people who were waiting at the gate. Some people were holding up signs. Other people were waving banners back and forth. He could even hear the sounds of music above the cheering voices. And just for a few seconds, he thought, can it be? Can it be that after 40 years of serving the Lord, that all of these people have actually come out to welcome me home? Can it be? But no, that was not the case. For on his plane, there was also a politician who was returning from a visit in Africa. Now, during that visit, that politician had been catered to, he had been waited upon, and he had all of his needs met while he was gone. Now he was welcomed with all the ceremony and all the pomp that his nation could provide. As this missionary was just taking it all in, it was almost more than he could bear. And for a moment, he began feeling sorry about himself. And he started to pray. He said, Father in heaven, why? Why? I have served you faithfully for so long, yet look at this. Is it wrong for me to desire some small welcome home? Then as if almost God was saying out loud in an audible voice, that old missionary heard him say, but my son, you're not home yet. It's true. This world's not your home. This world's not your home. We're just passing through. The Bible says that we're pilgrims, sojourners, just passing through this place. As children of God, I know that you share with me uh, the desire to hear our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, say these words. If I don't hear anything else, I want to hear these words. Well done. Well done, 
my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. If I don't hear nothing else, I want to hear that. But every once in a while, you got to admit, it'd be nice if our peers, if our co-workers, perhaps our brothers and sisters in the Lord would just pat us on the back. Brother, Brother Chad was breaking his arm to pat himself on the back in our deacons meeting this morning. Amen. It was a big joke. And, and Brother Harold said, don't you wish you had an eight-foot arm? You could get wrap around twice. Amen. We all need a pat on the back. We all need to hear some applause. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a parade for you and you heard the applause of the crowd? You know, it's amazing to, to watch the response that children have to praise. Starting even as a little toddler. The value of praise should never be undervalued. As those toddlers learn to walk, what's the first thing they do? They stumble and they fall down. But good parents will always applaud them. Great job. Great job. And then encourage them to get back up and try it again. Try it again until they get it right. You know, such is the case with Christians. Daily, I stumble. Every day. I stumble and fall. Sometimes I fall worse than others. But my Lord is always faithful to applaud my efforts and to encourage me to get back up and try it again until I get it right. But everybody appreciates applause every now and then. And Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem provided an opportunity for the people to applaud God. For the people to lift their voices in praise to God. So this morning, I don't only want you to hear the words. I want you to try to see the words. I want you to look at several aspects of this particular event. And I want the, you to allow the scriptures to ask you this question. As you look upon these events, I want the, you to let the Bible ask you this question. Has Jesus triumphantly entered my life? Has Jesus triumphantly entered my life? To do that, we must first look. Say look. Let's look. Let's look at the crowds. Here it was. It was Passover time in Jerusalem. Jews from all over the world were crowding into the city. News had gone out. Jesus is coming. He's on his way. He's just passed by Bethpage. He's just passed by Bethany. He's on his way. And so a crowd of people rush out of the city to meet him. But actually there were two crowds. For you see, there was one crowd that was accompanying Jesus as he came out of Bethany. Yet there was another crowd that was surging out of Jerusalem out to meet him. Those crowds must have flowed together like a, two surging masses, like two tides of the sea, all coming in to see the Lord Jesus. What was happening? Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming. Can I tell you that Jesus is coming again? He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And as these crowds surged together to meet him, they received him like he was a conquering hero. Like a hero. However, we read that this sight 
this uh, chaotic welcome aroused the religious leaders, made them very angry. And you see, no matter how hard those religious leaders had tried, it seemed like nothing would stop the people from following Jesus. Of course, there were some in the crowds who were just curious sightseers. They heard about the fact that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. I would have liked to have seen that, amen? I'd have liked to have seen that. So they hoped they might see a sensational miracle for themselves. But most of the people received and greeted Jesus wildly. Hear this translation from, from the book of Matthew. The word says that the crowds all around Jesus were shouting, Praise God, the Son of David. God's man is here. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God to the highest. That same translation says in Mark, the crowds followed and they cried out, Hail to the King, the blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord. Luke says in that same translation that the crowds affirmed, God has given us a king. Long live the king. Let all heaven and earth rejoice. And then John says that when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took out palm branches, they went down to the road to meet him, and they were shouting, shouting the Savior, God bless the king of Israel. Hail to God's ambassador. Can I tell you, this crowds were excited. Shouting, affirming, yelling out loud their praises. But you see, with Jesus as their king, they were just convinced that it was only a matter of time before he would take his rightful place. That the trumpets would ring out, a call to arms would sound, and the Jewish nation would finally get their victory over Rome and the world. See, the crowds misunderstood who Christ really was. They misunderstood. So, having looked at the crowds, let's look at this Jesus. Let's look. Say look. Let's look at him. Let's look at Jesus with the crowds in such a frenzy. It was impossible for Jesus to speak to them. Think about it. You're here in front of an exciting crowd, but they're not going to stop to listen. So what did Jesus do? Jesus did something. He did something they could all see with their eyes. He sent for a donkey's colt, and he came riding into town on it. And if you don't believe it, you can just go to sleep on it. He came into town sitting on a colt. That's kind of a strange way for a king to make a triumphant entry, wouldn't you say? Strange. But Jesus was providing a visual statement to the crowd that he was fulfilling the words of Zechariah the prophet. Both Matthew and John quote the prophet of the Old Testament, Zechariah, as a clear prediction concerning how the Savior of mankind would enter Jerusalem one day. Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O my people. Zechariah said, Shout for joy, for your king is coming. He is the righteous one, and he offers salvation. He is the victor, yet he is lowly, humble, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, as we read that verse in Zechariah, that passage tells us some things about Jesus, but it also tells us some important things 
about this parade that we read about. You see, this parade was announcing plainly that Jesus is the king. But Jesus is a special kind of king. He's a special kind of king. Now, donkeys were usually thought of as animals that the poor people rode. All right? But in Bible times, it was considered very noble to ride a donkey. Kings and princes and judges would ride donkeys. The only reason that a king rode a horse is he came and he was bent on war. But he rode a donkey, and get this, when he came in peace. For you see, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The king comes into the world to bring restoration, to restore life as God intended it. The king came into town, came into the world to bring reconciliation. That is to reconcile us back into a relationship with the father. The king came into town. The king came into the world to bring peace, to pay the price for sin so that you and I might have peace with God. He came riding a donkey as he triumphantly entered your life. We've looked at the crowds. We've looked at Jesus. Now I want you to look at this, this donkey's owners. Did you catch what Dr. Luke said about the donkey's owners in verse 33? But as they were loosing the colt, the owners, I thought that was peculiar. The owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? That's right. Apparently, this donkey was owned by more than one owner. Now, donkeys were means of transportation in that day. Donkeys were beasts of burden that pulled the farmer's plow. They, they did do many strenuous things that humans couldn't do by themselves. They were also very expensive, though. Often, one person couldn't afford a good donkey. So what happened? These folks pulled their funds and came in and bought this donkey. Have you ever wondered, though, how Jesus knew that donkey was there? Have you ever wondered, did Jesus use his telepathic vision and his extrasensory power to coerce the owners of this donkey to cooperate with his plan? Well, I'm not limiting the power of Jesus, but I don't think so. Uh, I think that I'm inclined to believe that, that Jesus walked up and down these streets many times. And I believe that maybe he had seen this cult. He had already talked to the owners. And he explained to them that one day he would have need of this animal. But would they be willing? Would they be willing to give him such a prized possession? Whatever the case, they finally, the day finally arrives. And Jesus tells his disciples, go into town. There you will find a cult, a donkey cult. No one has ever ridden it, and when you find it, untie it. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs it, that'll be enough. That's exactly what happens. They find the colt, they untie the colt, and as they did, the owners come rushing out. They say, what are you doing? And what did the disciples say? They said, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. And when the owners heard that, they gave it. When they gave that donkey, they were given the best and the most they had to give. 
What is the most important thing in your life right now? Be honest with yourself. What's the most important thing in your life right now? Is it your money? Is it your health? Is it your sleep or the lack thereof? Is it your car? Is the most important thing in your life right now your time? Is it your family? Or is it something else? If you're honest with yourself, your answer will tell you a whole lot about you. And you ought to ask yourself. If Jesus came by today, and he said, I got need of that. Whatever it is, would you give it? Jesus came by and said, I need some of your money. Would you give it? Jesus came by and said, I need some of your time. Would you give it? Would you surrender it to him? Like these owners surrendered their donkey? Would you be willing for him to take it and use it for whatever he wanted? And maybe not ever bring it back. Or would you just hold on to it? They said, whatever the Lord needs and we have it, it's his. Whatever the Lord needs and I got it, he's got it. But that's not the way we think, is it? But they gave their donkey. So let's look at this donkey for a minute. Say look. Let's look at this donkey for a moment. I was driving down Cox Creek Parkway. And as I was driving, there's this big open field where the old fairgrounds used to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The old fairgrounds used to be? Well, it's not fairgrounds anymore, but 
it's a huge pasture. And in this huge pasture, there's got to be at least 20 horses. And apparently, as I was passing by, it was supper time. Because they were all on one side, and they took off toward the stable. And they were all booking it. All of them galloping. And as I'm driving down the road, I'm saying, man, those horses are beautiful animals. Their coats are shining in the sun. Their manes were rippling in the wind and the breeze. Look at those long, graceful, muscular legs. Man, I bet you they could gallop for miles at a time. And when you get up close to a horse, their, their eyes seem soft. And I don't know about you, but when that horse makes it sound, what do you call that sound? A neigh? Anybody? Is there a better word? When a horse makes it sound, it radiates power. It radiates strength to me. But not the donkey. The donkey's hair looks like mine when I get up in the morning. You don't want to see that. Its tail is often knotty and messy. Its mane's nothing beautiful to behold. Its ears are way too big for its head. Amen. And when you hear a donkey bray, is that right? Whenever I hear a donkey bray, do you know what I do? I laugh. And it made me think of Beverly Marshall. Beverly Marshall has a special ringtone for her grandson, Chaz. Whenever Chaz calls, it goes, And that's the way she knows it's Chaz. Now, I don't know what that means about Chaz, but I'm just telling you, uh, every time I ever hear that, it cracks me up. There's nothing about the noise a donkey makes that's serious. Yet, on the road to Jerusalem, this little donkey, this little donkey Here's people shouting for him. They're saying, Hosanna, or praise God for this one who comes in the name of the Lord. This little donkey sees people spreading their coats on the road before him. This little donkey sees people waving palm leaves to honor him. And for a while, this donkey that's not supposed to be in a parade is in one. For a few moments, he's the focus of attention. Why? Because sitting on the throne is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I can't speak for you, but the only reason that I'll ever have a parade for me is if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is sitting on the throne of my life. Because you see, just like this donkey, you and I are just ordinary folks. 
Just like this donkey, we're nothing special. But then Jesus comes into our lives, and Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus says you are worth something. Jesus says you are extraordinary. And so we celebrate this on a day called Palm Sunday. And I believe that Palm Sunday has a message for our church today. The message is this. Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. And he's saying, the Lord needs you. Now how will we respond? Will we turn our backs and reject him like the Pharisees did? Some do. Will we support him for a while like most of the people did? Only when we get out into the real world, we crucify him all over again by the way we live? Some do. Or will we be like the owners who, who, who gave what they had just so Jesus might be praised? They gave what they had so that Jesus could have a parade. Wow. Or maybe we're like that donkey. I'm not calling you no names here, okay? But I think we all ought to be a lot like this donkey. We want God to change us. Amen? We want God to transform us. Amen? We want God to make us into something special. Amen? We want him to change us into the image of Christ Jesus, his son. So the question is this. Will you invite him into your heart? When he says, I have need of you, will you give him you? Will you invite him into your life? Will you march, friend, with that great parade of faithful and obedient Christians who serve Jesus day in and day out, giving their money, giving their time, giving their effort? Will you march with them? Christian, will you march? Will you march in this parade until Jesus Christ comes again? Having lived your life with the king sitting on the throne? I want to tell you that if you're outside the kingdom this morning, Bethel Baptist Church extends to you an invitation to be changed and transformed by the mercy and grace of God. We want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not of us, not of this church, not of some preacher. We want you to be a follower and a disciple of Christ. Maybe you're saying, well, that's good, Bill, because I already is one. Amen? But maybe you're thinking, but you know, I'm just not making a difference in this world. I'm a Christian, 
and I'm just not making a difference. I want you to know that Bethel Baptist Church feels that same way. We want to make a difference in this world. And so if you don't have a church family today, if you're not a member of a church family, why not join our family as we join together striving to introduce the world to Jesus? Striving to let everyone have a parade for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So whatever the case, this decision time is for you. And it's our humble prayer that you'll listen and be obedient to God. Let us pray. Lord above, Lord, we thank you for this message and picture that we could look at the prize, that we could look on Jesus, that we could look at the donkey's owner, that we could look on this donkey and see how well deserved Jesus deserved that parade. Lord, I pray that, that he's not sitting on the throne.